Thanks for listening, Unplugged Army. I'm Louis Unga, General Manager at Whirlwind Golf Club at Wild Horse Pass. We're proud to present Doug Franz Unplugged. Four minute offense. Four minute offense. Four minutes. Four minute offense. Four minute offense. Everything you need to know in sports that affects Maricopa County, the state of Arizona, and the world you get in four minutes. We start things off in South Philly. Ah, ah, ah. The Arizona Diamondbacks beat the Milwaukee Brewers in three games. The Arizona Diamondbacks sweep the Dodgers in three games. And the Arizona Diamondbacks become the first team in the National League to even win one game in Philadelphia, let alone two. Game seven, and the Arizona Diamondbacks win four to two. They are champions of the National League. Wow. Manager, Tori Lavella. That last at bat, I let my mind wander for about 15 seconds in between pitches and thought, we're really close to doing something really special. Special was the final out that settled into the glove of the probable rookie of the year, Corbin Carroll, in right field. He went three for four with two RBIs on the day. Brandon Fought did not go the requisite five innings to get the win, but still pitched well. Two earned runs in four innings. The bullpen, even more amazing. They only gave up one hit over five innings, let alone another shutout performance. Perdomo also went two for three. The Diamondbacks decided to stay and party in Philly. They're gonna fly today straight to Dallas, not even come home to Phoenix. They take on the Texas Rangers in game one of the World Series coming up Friday at 5.03. Wow, the Phoenix Suns. They were fantastic too. Bad third quarter that the Golden State Warriors were able to come back and take the lead. Dominant performance in the fourth quarter and the Phoenix Suns get win number one on the year. Devin Booker scored 32 points on 13 to 21 shooting. Also threw in eight assists and six boards. And he had two enormous assists at the end of the game in which he kicked it out to a Kogi for a corner three and then gave it up to Nurkic for a driving layup as he got double teamed on both plays. But he set the tone in the first quarter, scoring 15 points, and that impressed Kevin Durant. It was incredible. We started off just flaming hot, uh, 15 points in the first quarter, and just got us going. We just kept us there the whole night, you know? We're going to need that from him all season. Katie didn't shoot well, but he still had 18 points and 11 boards. Nurkic went for 14 and 14 in his first game, replacing DeAndre Ayton. Now the Suns have the day off today. They fly to LA, back-to-back -back road games to start the season. They'll take on the Lakers tomorrow night, tip off seven o'clock. Arizona Coyotes. They lost 6-3 to three in L.A., and they had to pull their goalie. Connor Ingram gave up three goals in the first period on only nine shots. Andre Turney said, however, it wasn't all his fault. Well, I don't think it was on him. The three-goal or cross-ice play, uh, good execution from them, but it was more a matter of changing momentum and uh, at some point try to get some luck. Another goal for Clayton Keller. He scored in every game so far for the Arizona Coyotes. Now, the game was actually close. Coyotes were up 1-0. They were only down 3-2 in the second and only down 4-3 in the third, but they couldn't hold on. They take on the Kings again, this time at home, coming up Friday, 7 o'clock. 
finally. Oh yeah, try to explain this. Murfreesboro, Tennessee, bomb squad. And when they called the guy that they thought had a bomb car, he answered from across the street. Murfreesboro Police, the drone team, Murfreesboro Fire Department Rescue, Murfreesboro Fire Marshal's Office, the Rutherford County Fire Marshal, the Tennessee Highway Patrol, the ATF, and the Rutherford County Emergency Management System all reported to a breakfast joint. Some guy had hooked up wires, duct tape, and suction cups to the side of his car because he was sick of people opening their car door at grocery stores and banging into the side of his car. So he set up rubber strips in order to protect from dents. People called in the bomb squad when they saw the wires thinking his car was bombed. They cleared out an entire shopping center. He was across the street waiting to see what was going on, having no idea it was his car that people thought was a bomb. When they called his cell phone number, he just answered. And they realized they were just talking to a guy across the street. (laughs) Jackpot Unplugged Army, I feel like a true commander-in-chief to be able to give you such an unprecedented savings. Go to Unplugged at Whirlwind.com and check out the new membership club from Whirlwind Golf Club at Wild Horse Pass. Whirlwind Plus. Here's what you get. You sign up for a tee time anytime between now and five days from now, and you can save anywhere from a minimum of 30% up to 60% off, plus 15% off at Civlik, the restaurant, and another 15% off in the pro shop. I'm telling you, you walk into the pro shop, get bowls, a shirt, and a hat, you walk over for happy hour with your wife, you might pay for your monthly membership right then and there. It's $34 a month, cancel anytime. Or if you want to save even more, because that equals out to a little more than $400, you can get it for only $299 a year. Whirlwind Plus at Whirlwind Golf Club at Wild Horse Pass. Go to unpluggedatwhirlwind.com and feel the wind. I'm Janelle, General Manager of Bell's Nashville Kitchen, a.k.a. The Whiskey Wizard. Bell's isn't your typical country bar with mediocre bar food. We are a scratch kitchen with chef-inspired dishes in the only place you can get the best sandwich in all of Arizona, our Nashville hot chicken sandwich. Now, the drinks. I spend days infusing our own whiskey creations. Come in for Whiskey Wednesdays to learn about and drink our famous whiskey selection. We have live music most days and all weekend as part of our honky-tonk brunch. Bell's Nashville Kitchen on Main Street in Old Town Scottsdale. You found home, down home. So I, uh, I got this jersey very soon after moving here. And uh, this is jersey number three that I've worn this week. This is the one I don't wear very often, but the other two are in the laundry. And if you're wondering why I don't wear it very often, you're about to see in just a second. <laughs> good morning, good afternoon, good evening. Whatever it is that you've decided to make Doug Franz unplugged a part of your day, my family greatly appreciates it. My name is Doug Franz, and you have found the only podcast in the world totally devoted to the coverage of the four major sports franchises of this great American city that drops on your phone and your television every weekday morning. We also cover ASU, U of A, GCU, the Rowlers, the Rising, the Merc, and the World Series. This is Doug Franz Unplugged, presented by Whirlwind Golf Club at Wild Horse Pass. I, the, the range of emotions this morning 
is unbelievable. Unbelievable. Uh, Jeff, I don't know what's going on. Is that your mic? There's a very weird noise floor coming through today. Like, very I don't loud. hear anything. Oh, okay, it's, it's very strange. Uh, now it's gone. It just went away. Is that your mic? No, that was I had the audio for the uh, call from hanging with Coop yesterday. Oh, there it is. We there had Cameron is. Cox on the show, and I for, uh, it was still uh, well. Open. Then blame blame Cameron Cox. It's all good. Yeah, it's all his fault. Um, this jersey, absolutely. If I sit down, you can't tell, but it absolutely does not fit. It's it's like the gut has just stretched the whole thing out, so it's very very uncomfortable. But I'm I'm gonna suck it up. Instead of lose weight, I'll just suck it up. And then uh, my emotions are out the wazoo today. I mean, it is crazy. Living in a city where magic is happening, it's just one of the greatest days of my life. I am I, I love baseball with a passion I can hardly explain. And then to be in this position where we are living in a city with a World Series team, I'm so happy. I can't hide my water bottle. I'll just deal with it. And then um, I have... Uh, other emotions are just being fat and, and the jersey being tight. It's like, man, what just happened? So there's there's that. Then um, today is the uh, is the day. If you remember the story from last week, today is the day where I'm going to lunch with intern McKenna and the guy who wants to meet me. So it's kind of entertaining because he's about to get all of it. I mean, my kids are you know they've always been worried about how I'm going to treat potential guys, and I'm like, hey, I, I it's all good. I've got you know I'm just me. But I'm loud, obnoxious, and now I'm going to show up to this lunch in flips, a Diamondbacks jersey, and we're going to 100-mile brew, so I'll be drinking beer in front of the kid. So we'll see you know, how he handles everything. So we've got that going on today. So I've got those crazy emotions. Um, just the sheer happiness of the win. But I admit, and I, I actually am being totally serious, prayers for me if you could, because I'm being a little – I don't know what the word is. I don't know if selfish is the word. Um. It's. I have a weird feeling. I'll just open up to you, and this is. It's difficult because I don't want to deal with this emotion. You know what? It would be jealousy. I am really happy with where my life is right now. Really, really happy. But there's a little twinge in me, for the first time in, gosh, I, I would I would legitimately say a year and a half, that I'm frustrated at getting fired, and the reason why is. It's, it's kind of personal now. For the first time, it's, it's a little bit personal to me. Is I was the one that kept getting called into the office about arguing to talk more Diamondbacks. I'm the one that would get into arguments with producers who were under orders from management, don't let Doug talk about Diamondbacks. And now my former employer is running around with every Diamondbacks promo in the world, acting like they've been behind the Diamondbacks every step of the way and blah, blah, blah. And I'm the one that was always getting yelled at for wanting to talk Diamondbacks because I thought they were building something. Now, let's be clear, no way in a million years did I think 2023 was the year they were going to the World Series. I was predicting it for 2025 that they would make a deep playoff run. Okay, so... Don't give me, I'm not asking for credit for it. But the fact is that I'm the one that I think is partially why I got fired because I was kind of belligerent of it's ridiculous for us to be the home of the Diamondbacks and not talk. No, we're going to talk Kyler. We're going to talk Cardinals. We're going to talk Kyler. Do you know what's going on behind the scenes of the Cardinals? Do you see how they're destroying this thing with Michael Bidwell and Steve Kime? Well, we're going to talk Cardinals. We're going to talk Kime. We're going to talk uh, Kyler. We're not, we're not going to talk Diamondbacks. 
and just getting blitzkrieg by management all the time. And now I'm, it, you know, it, it is jealousy. I admit. I, it took me a while to kind of get my feelings around or get my handle around my feelings or whatever the phrase is. You can see I'm struggling with it. It just bugs me. I'm glad to be here. You know, there's a little bit of uh, hey, get over it. But that that's it's just it's just gnawing at me today. Um, and then just to be point blank, I have a little bit of a headache, and I I might know why I have a headache. I might know why. Um, we're gonna watch this twice. I'll tell you a secret about it in just a second. So last night I put out a video. It's uh, it is not. I don't know what you would call viral. It's not viral according to Twitter. I have made close to sixteen thousand impressions. I don't have any idea what that means. I mean, I know what impressions are, but I don't know what a tweet does to get an impression. But I have about sixteen thousand impressions. Uh, only five hundred likes. I admit, I thought I would be in the. Uh, Two to three thousand range on likes, but I uh, I put out a video in which I just wanted to salute the citizens and fans of Milwaukee and L.A. and Philadelphia. So I put out a video last night toasting each of those three fan bases because I thought that was me being a uh, a good sport. And uh, and and here's the video if you if you'd like to watch. Just wanted to take a second. Congratulations to the three teams that were all in a battle for the National League playoff race this year with the Arizona Diamondbacks. Uh, first to Milwaukee, congratulations on a great season, man. You guys got that, that third world market or whatever it's called and all the yellow beer you guys produce. So congratulations to you. Cheers. And then L.A., Wow, man, if you guys would have spent just a little bit more money, maybe maybe you guys would be in the playoffs too. And then when you consider right now, it's one to nothing in world championships between, you know, your team and Arizona, unless you count, you know, championships that happen without real regular seasons, but it's one to nothing right now. As we all know, with a real crowd, you know, David Roberts, Dave Roberts could never handle the pressure of like real 162 game season baseball or Anthony Davis could handle that for, for that matter. And then, wow, what can you say about the Phillies? Man, Philly. You know, that two-game losing streak that you have at home, that, that hurts. Maybe maybe if you had just a little bit better of a home crowd, you guys could be going to the World Series. But sorry it didn't work out for you. Cheers, Diamondbacks. Number one, why didn't I yell embrace the chaos after that? That that was a fail on my part. That was a fail on my part. Um, well, so with now, all that beer in your system, I can understand why you might have forgotten to say that. Yeah, I might. Well, it, it doesn't hit you for a little while later, to be quite honest. Oh, okay. Uh, what what it creates? I didn't. I, I've never done that in my life. What it creates? Number one is man. It was hard to sleep. Like it was really hard to go to sleep last night. I don't know why. That was I think you'd figure that would help you sleep. No, it did not. It did not help me sleep. It helped me. Uh, I can feel the weight in the jersey though, so I think that that might have to do with three beers all at all at one shot like that. 
Uh, number two uh, on re- the recording of, of the video and the entertainment value of the video, uh, I got I got to say, I threw in a little couple little digs that you might not have picked up on. If you've never been to Milwaukee, it's a really cool city. And they have an area that's called like Old World Third Street Market. An old, and it's really a cool old German area where there's all kinds of great bars and, and Mater's restaurant is fantastic. So I, I love that area. But I messed it up when we were there as a family. And I didn't call it Old World Third Street. I called it uh, Old Third World. And, and the kids just thought that was hilarious of my uh, of their daddy calling Milwaukee the third world. And so that just stuck forever. So now I turned that into a funny insult there when I said Milwaukee's old, you know, their third world and uh, and all their yellow beer because it's the home of Pabst Blue Ribbon and some, some other stuff. So uh, that was that rip. Then the Dodgers not spending enough money was highly entertaining to me. And then, of course, everyone, including Braves fans, going crazy of how hard it is to win in Philly that nobody can do it and now be able to slamming the Phillies of saying you've got a two-game home losing streak. Now, I'm going to play part of it again, okay? Uh, I'll cut you off, Jeff, at about the uh, when I start the third beer. But I, I want you to listen for the word wow, okay? Every time you hear me say the word wow, I want you to know what that is code for. That's actual code for, holy crap, am I really going to try to do this? I didn't realize what's going on in my own head. So whenever I say, wow, it's honestly like, I kind of feel a little funny. Just wanted to take a second, give a big congratulations to the three teams that were all in a battle for the National League playoff race this year with the Arizona Diamondbacks. Uh, first to Milwaukee, congratulations on a great How about season, this man. Poor. You guys got that, How about that, that third world market or whatever it's called and all the yellow beer you guys produce. So congratulations to you. Cheers. Okay, here comes the first wow. And then, L.A. Wow, man! If you guys would have spent just a little bit more money, maybe maybe you guys would be in the playoffs too. And then when you consider right now, it's one to nothing in World Championships between you know your team and Arizona, unless you count you know championships that happen without real regular seasons. But it's one to nothing right now. Because we all know with a real crowd, you know, David Roberts, Dave Roberts could never handle the pressure of like real 162 game season baseball or Anthony Davis could handle that for, for that matter. Now, the there's two wows coming up now because I quickly realized, man, I don't know if I can get through the third one. And then, wow. <laughs> what can you say about the Phillies? Man, Philly. You know that two-game losing streak okay, that you have okay, at home, okay, that, that hurts. I'm, I'm, I'm highly entertained by that. That was that. So if you ever watch that, you'll know the secret sauce of the 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 wows of of, of my head my head spinning a little bit. I kind of butchered the Dodgers thing though. What I wanted to be more clear about was since the Diamondbacks started as an organization, it's truly one to one in championships. And the Dodgers love to spend their money and love to act like they're all, you know, all that. But it's only one-to-one. However, the one that they won is in 2020. And if you think about it, it's kind of funny. 
the Lakers and Dodgers both won championships in 2020, but they won with teams that we full well know can't win in real-life pressure situations. So you remove Anthony Davis from pressure and fan bases and put him in a bubble. Man, he's great. Lakers win a world championship. You take Dave Roberts out of the real pressure of a World Series when there's fans and there's distractions. He can't handle it, but he can win a small World Series being played in Texas at a neutral site in 2020. So I'm not counting their 2020 championships. So since I'm not counting the 2020 championships, it's sitting at one-to-one. Or it's sitting at one-nothing since the Diamondbacks started as an organization. Clearly, the Dodgers have all of their championships that they've earned all over the years. And and, and, uh, one of them in Brooklyn, the 55 Dodgers won it all after repeatedly getting to the World Series and uh, not being able to win. I think their first World Series was 1920. I'd have to look that up. Um, and 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 they were never able to uh, to win it. Uh, they were the Brooklyn Robins then, though, as well. I'm trying to think if they if they got there in the in the like the 19. I don't think so. I have to. I got to cheat and look that up. So that's why I I kind of butchered it saying championships of Arizona and in LA. I didn't mean it like that. I just meant it's one to nothing since the Diamondbacks started. So that was me having some fun yesterday. Hopefully you uh, you enjoyed it. Sound credits today. Uh, got some. I found a new uh, website, Free Dawkins. I have no idea what that was, but it was the only place I could find Sun Sound, and uh, so I got Sun Sound from Free Dawkins, and uh, and then of course uh, Diamondback Sound. We got it from MLB PR department, but it was really hard to find. They made it tough on us uh, this time. So uh, no credit to the entire credit to the Coyote or the uh, Diamondbacks PR department, but no credit to MLB PR department for making it very hard for us to find the sound that we needed. And uh, and then I got uh, the Andre Turney talking about the bad 6-3 loss against the Kings uh, from Coyotes PR. So thanks to them. All right, let's roll. Doug's Big One. Doug's Big One today is the Arizona Diamondbacks are going to the World Series. Thank you. Thank you. The number six seed... The 13th best team in Major League Baseball, according to the regular season. And they are going to the World Series. They are the National League champions after winning Game 7 in Philadelphia. And Philly fan had to deal with losing two games in their home ballpark. Two games. As the Diamondbacks come in and they win Game 6 and they win Game 7. It is, it is just simply a glorious moment to be a Diamondbacks fan and to be with this team through thick and thin. And as I said before, being a guy that used to get into arguments in order to talk about the Arizona Diamondbacks, and now they've actually done it. First thought is really a congratulations to Derek Hall, Mike Hazen, and Tori Lovello. And the reason why I want to focus, listen, the players are the ones that do it. But I want to focus on those three people because – the Diamondbacks are an unbelievable organization in-house. The employees, so many happy employees, so many great stories about Derek Hall, the president and the CEO. I have to tell you, when I first moved here, I didn't really know what to think of Derek Hall because he was so nice all the time. I I, I don't know if I've ever told him this. I thought he was a fraud. I just thought there's no way somebody is this nice all the time. All right? It made no sense. And then... Through the years, not only have I developed a friendship with him, but I've had countless conversations with him in, uh, in his office, on the phone, different things like that. 
and he's that genuine all the time. And when you get to know somebody in, in more private settings, you can realize, wow, this is, this is really who they are. So I know that there's a lot of people in the city that always thought he was the problem with the team being so up and down. And uh, there are times where he's coy when it's about what's the future of the Diamondbacks and things like that. So whenever people go through the fire and they come out like this, I, I want to tip the cap to him. Secondly is Mike Hazen and, uh, and, and what he went through and what his family went through with the death of his wife, Nicole, to, uh, to cancer. Um, I'll, I'll never forget when I found out uh, about that, when I found out about the cancer treatment uh, that his wife was undergoing and the difficulties of it and knowing what he was going through. I was asked not to tell anybody. So I didn't, um, but it was it really changed my perspective on how hard he was working. And uh, I remember seeing him in uh, at a game uh, in the bowels of the stadium one time, about two hours, three hours before a game. And it was just him and I, and I was kind of a, you know I'm I'm kind of a gregarious, jovial person. I said, Mike, how are you? How's the family? And uh, and and I I've always asked him how's the family, and I knew the news. Um, but it wasn't going to change how I greet somebody, you know. I, I didn't really know. I, I didn't want to be different, you know. Like I, all I've heard is when you're going through something like that, you want everything the same. And I didn't. I didn't want to change, so I was gregarious. And there was, there was nothing left in that man. To be quite honest, uh, he, he was emotionally spent, and he was going through a weird time in which he considered the stadium the place he could get away. And he didn't like to talk about the situation with his family when he got to the stadium because he felt like it took away, it created an emotional roller coaster at the stadium. And for him, it was drive to work and on the drive, get through the emotions of what he was leaving so he could focus on the game. And now here's me, you know, bumbling and stumbling around coming up to him to talk. And, uh, and I just remember that look on his face of just sheer emotional exhaustion. And you're dealing with the emotions of a 110-loss team in 2021. And he often jokes about, we were not tanking. And he actually says that's the problem. He says it's worse if you're tank. It's better if you're tanking because then you know you stink. You expect to stink, and you don't really worry about the stinking. He said for them in 2021, they were not tanking, and they lost 110 games. And he goes, that's 10 times worse. And just seeing that in that man was was crazy and difficult to watch. And for him to come out to the other side to have this joy, I know it still pains him because he can't be celebrating this with his wife in, in, a, in an earthly fashion. But I just really tip the cap off to Mike. And then to Tori Lovello as well, uh, I, I don't backtrack on what I said in August. In August, I never said, let's fire Tori Lovello, but I did say, you can't go from 16 games above 500 and then totally fall on your face like they did in late July and early August and most of August without there being repercussions. And I said, if this man doesn't make the playoffs, they, that he should be fired. He's clearly not able to bring this team out of these doldrums that, that get created during the season. Um, I'm not going to backtrack on that because I think that's a fair statement when you remember how bad they were playing in August. That's six weeks of terrible baseball. Keep in mind, this is the third worst team in baseball history to make a World Series. Okay, there's, there's a legitimate point to be made there. 
But think about what Tory Lovello proved. Think about how many people thought Tory Lovello should be fired and think about it from the context of they said it much earlier than just that bad streak of baseball. I can't tell you being a talk show host, it's really weird the life we lead because the amount of people that bust you as a host when you're wrong and they they like live for you to be wrong but then nobody tabulates how many times I get a tweet, an email, or something like that from somebody flying off the handle or saying something absolutely ridiculous about somebody, and then when it gets thrown back in their face, they say nothing when, when they were proven wrong. And look at Tori Lovello right here. How many people wanted that man fired? And, and yet, here he is on top of the world. And, and it does bring up a good point are you a good team are you a hot team what's legit I have been fighting that and once they lost 10 to nothing to the Phillies I was furious because of how many mistakes they made and I I'm not backing down from what I said they quit in that game and I still feel that but maybe that's exactly why we're here maybe the embarrassment of game two is why we're celebrating a World Series team today I think that's a fair point since game two they won four of five Four of five against the Phillies and including going 2-0 and in their ballpark. 2-0, and obviously, since game two. That says something, and that does say something about leadership. That says something about Tori Lovello. That says something about every man in that clubhouse. And on a day like this, I don't just want to celebrate it. I really want to salute the Diamondbacks so that the people that have been through the ringer, and some of it's self-imposed. I mean, some of the decisions that were made were bad. I told you I hated the Paul Goldschmidt trade, not the trading of Paul Goldschmidt. I accept that. That happens when you need to rebuild. I get it. That specific trade I hated because that was a salary dump to me. That wasn't a trade. So there's other areas where I've gone off, I've talked about before in the past, but when something like this happens, and especially for the reasons why, the trade to get Seawold and the benefit that it created for the rest of the bullpen, which I admit I did not see coming at all. It, it, Kevin Ginkle struck out the side of the eighth inning yesterday. Could he have done that in the ninth inning? I believe he can now with the confidence of where he is. But he needed that life reset to be able to get be the eighth inning guy. Ryan Thompson getting picked up off of waivers, and that's the guy who handles the meat of seventh innings. Changing Joe Mantiply from a setup guy potential closer into the Loogie is good. It, Loogie's a cool it's, – it's not used anymore. Loogie's a funny term in baseball. For the left-handed reliever that comes in and faces one batter, the left-handed batter that's tough in the seventh or eighth inning, you come in, you warm up, you get out your one left-handed hitter, and you go sit down. The rules have changed, so now anytime there's a pitching change, a pitcher has to face either all batters that lead to the end of the inning or face three batters, one or the other. And – um, now there's no more loogies because of that. Unless you get the last guy out in the bottom of the, uh, in the at the end of the inning, he makes the third out, and then you get taken out. I guess you could still be a loogie. But Joe Mantiply found a new spot. Sal Frank being uh, a, somewhat of a loogie as well, and everybody falling into place all because of the trade of Paul Se- for Paul Seawald. That's 100% Mike Hazen, who didn't give up on a team a lot of, that a lot of people did, including me, at the end of August. So. 
when you get to this, it's not good enough just to say, hey, you guys were right, good job. To, Doug's big one is to take a long minute here and really salute the three men that were in charge of making the most difficult decisions to get to this point. And since they've worked, they need more than just a tip of the cap. They need the three beer salute and uh, and 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 have a minute where they where we all bask in the glory that they created for our city. Um, well done, gentlemen. Well done. Uh, I'd uh, I'd like to go through. We we've never done something like this before on Doug Franz Unplugged. But I, I think it's deserved. Jeff Weir Production, If I don't know if you were able to pull everything. Do you have all of the uh, scoring plays? Yeah, I've, I've got them. I just didn't write them on the, uh, the script. No, 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 no. Don't, you don't have to uh, explain that. That's perfectly fine. I'm, I'm thrilled because I, I know them. So, hey. All six scores is what I've got. The handy-dandy score sheet is, is, <laughs> is, is right here for the Arizona Diamondbacks. So I would, I would love to go through it and just kind of give you uh, a, an old thing that uh, we used to call D-backs daily on the old show. We can do it now. And uh, I don't, we don't have any uh, – I should have thought of like playing a little music underneath it or going breakdown, breakdown, breakdown on this, but that would be, that would be a little too difficult. I don't think I can pull that off. So let's let's get into it. I think it's big whenever you score first. The Diamondbacks became the first team this postseason that I know of. Feel free to correct me if you know that I'm wrong on this. I don't think any team in the National League playoffs won a game without hitting a home run. And the Diamondbacks win game seven without hitting a home run. Marte strikes out. Corbin Carroll gets a base hit. Gabby Moreno gets a base hit and puts Corbin Carroll on uh, on third. And even though Christian Walker just avoids the double play on this one, by his hustle, he earns the RBI and most importantly, avoids the third out of the inning. First and third for the Diamondbacks here with one out in the opening inning. Christian Walker in a big spot in this first inning. Broken bat, ground ball. Boom to second. Close play there. No play at first. So out at second. Safe at first. A run comes in to score. And the Diamondbacks put one on the board. So uh, we credit MLB.tv, but I forgot the way MLB slams together the voiceovers of different people so let me also give credit to um wmvp or no kmvp uh, fm uh for i think that's their call letters for the sound of play-by-play voice greg schulte the diamondbacks radio network and then tbs's call of the play Credit to Gabby Moreno for the slide, making sure that that helped Christian Walker get there. And the hustle matters, both selfishly, so Walker gets the RBI. But if he gets doubled off right there, if he hits into a double play, that's the end of the inning. The run doesn't count. The official rule, if you're wondering, is is a force out. A run cannot score while a force out is possible. Okay, so therefore, if you get the force out at first, the run doesn't count, the inning's over, and it's nothing, nothing. So great hustle right there for the Diamondbacks. And then I think this is important. This was another comeback victory for the Arizona Diamondbacks. Back to that stat, I believe this is the first game where a team that didn't homer won the game. There was one home run that was hit in the game, and it tied it. Ball will lead off here in the second. And the first ball is deep in the left. See you later. Alec Bohm, a solo shot to tie it. That is what the Phils desperately needed. Alec Bohm with his first home run this postseason, and what a time for it here in game seven. We start over in the bottom of the. 
that was a bigger homer than you can imagine. And the reason why is if you want to look at it from a Philadelphia standpoint, their manager had been getting ripped that he kept Alec Bohm in the cleanup spot, especially going into game six and seven. Alec Bohm in this in the postseason was batting around 210, something like that, maybe in the high 100s. And Alec Bohm had no homers in the NLCS, so he was kind of a, a sinkhole when it came to the cleanup spot. And the manager refused to move him. And then he comes up in his first at-bat, especially following a top half of the second inning run, and immediately ties the game. The jolt you get, because listen, unless you're a jerk, all right, and this does happen, players don't root for jerks that are just happy that it succeeded. Like, ah, Randy Johnson's an unbelievably nice man right now. And it's really strange when you talk to his teammates. His teammates still think it's weird how nice of a person Randy Johnson is because he was a total jerk as a player. There's no other way to put it. He was a jerk, and he'll tell you, I that's who I was. I needed to be that way because I needed to be that angry to be as dominant as I was. So you look back on it, and you're like, well, fine, you're a jerk to other people, but we won a World Series, so thank you. But that's Randy Johnson. Well, Alec Bohm is a good dude. So you spend – I'm relaying that to you from other people. I don't know. I've never met him. But you spend all that time in spring training with a guy. You have the off season where you're at different golf tournaments and events with a guy. Then you go on the road with him. You're there for six months, all the times in the clubhouse. He becomes a friend, and the world is ripping your friend. The world is ripping the manager that helped get you to a World Series the year before and got you to a great playoff spot this year. The manager that helped lead you to an upset over the Braves. And now the world's saying how bad your manager is because he's putting your friend to clean up and refuses to give up on him. And now that guy hits a home run. It's bigger than just, wow, home run, we're tied one-to-one. It's this unbelievable sense of confidence that overwhelms every Phillies player. If he's now hitting, here we go. You know, that's how they feel. That's why that's a huge moment. That's a huge moment in Game 7. And not only does that get the emotions going that it's one-to-one, now make it even worse because the Diamondbacks were up 1-0 and now they're about to go down 2-1. Pitches last time up, and he sends out into left center field. That is going to get down, and to the wall it goes. Boehm racing around the bags. He'll be sent home. Throw to the plate, not in time. Phillies lead 2-1. to one. Bryson Stott with an RBI double. Mr. Two-Strike hit this year for the Phillies, and he delivers again. It's his first double of the series, only his second extra base hit of this postseason. And what a big... And then I don't know if it was a fan doing that or if it was a cameraman doing that. I'm assuming a cameraman holding up a decibel meter at the end of that one. So that's in the bottom of the force. Harper hit a big-time line-out. Great play by Corbin Carroll to be – or no, not Corbin Carroll. uh, Tommy Pham to be able to make the out in right field after letting a ball drop in front of him uh, in the third inning. Pham makes a nice catch at the beginning of the bottom of the fourth. Then Bohm, after the home run, had the patience to walk. So it's the, so he's the one that scores on the double. That makes it 2-1. to one. 
But this is one of the moments where we want to stop, okay? JT Real Muto gets a base hit after that. So you've got uh, runners on first and third. Then Castellano strikes out a walk to the lefty Brandon Marsh in which you could see Brandon Fought was just kind of being a little careful with with Marsh because that's a right-on-left matchup, so he wanted to make sure that he didn't give him anything to hit, and Marsh has been hitting righties pretty good. So he didn't really challenge him. So now you've got the bases loaded, two outs. You're a rookie in the most hostile environment there is, game seven of an NLCS. It gets Rojas to strike out. Now, granted, I I don't want to sugarcoat it. Rojas is one of the worst hitters in baseball, okay? But it's still that environment, that moment. And Brandon fought, pitches great, gets out of that in the fourth inning. So now the Diamondbacks are down 2-1 to one right after the fourth inning. You've heard it millions of times before. The answerbacks, the nickname because they always seem to come back so quickly when they're down. At the same time, you the pressure would mount every inning that you don't get yourself back into that game. I also think pitching from behind or pitching from ahead in the score allows you to challenge more guys. You're too scared when you're pitching behind, so you start nibbling, which leads to you being behind in the count, which leads to hitters having better counts, more aggression, and they get more base hits. All of that can happen when you're trailing. So you're down two to one, and all it takes is the very next inning. Cattell Marte strikes out after there's already been a base hit. So Rivera gets a base hit, sacrifice to second. Cattell Marte now in a position to do something, and Cattell strikes out. Cattell struck out four times in this game. Okay, not good. Not good. Now, he did have a huge RBI double. But four strikeouts in the game for Cattell Marte. So now you've got your leadoff hitter. Looks like he might end his hitting streak. He struck out three times. And uh, uh, and this time he strikes out with a runner in scoring position. Now you've got two outs. And you've got your young Corbin Carroll, who's been mostly sleepwalking through the series offensively, now comes up and he's already two for two with a run scored. Carroll is two for two with a run scored and a stolen base. Runner at second. Carroll up the middle and a base hit. Rivera round third. He will score the tying run. And Corbin Carroll, his third hit of the game. An RBI single. It comes with two outs. And it's a 2-2 ball game. So that's huge. You just tied it the very half inning after the Phillies take that 2-1 lead. Huge. Now, the very next hitter, it's weird. Corbin Carroll steals second. So Corbin Carroll's been on twice. He's got two stolen bases. So uh, it's – it's. can I say look at Doug Franz unplugged? I mean, I just – I don't get it. After me yelling and screaming all series that when you handcuff these guys, don't tell me about how good the Phillies are. I, I wish Torrey would, would recant a little bit on this one. Going into this series, handcuffing Corbin Carroll was a terrible mistake. Now when you take the handcuffs off, suddenly look, he does better at the plate. You see the difference? He's three for three or three for four on the day with a sack fly because you said just go be you. So he gets a second stolen base. Now he's on second. Gabby Moreno comes to the plate. This is a wonderful base hit by Gabby, but oh my gosh, his base running drove me nuts. Keep your eye on Gabby after Corbin scores. Base of the game. And Moreno into right field, a base hit. 
Here comes Carroll. Castellanos has a cannon. The throw is cut off. Carroll scores. Moreno in a rundown, a backhanded flip, and out at first. But the Diamondbacks take the lead. Moreno and Carroll, the 23-year-olds, get it. That is cool, the two 23-year-olds. Now, let me tell you something. Let me go advanced baseball here. Advanced education in the game, which I don't use, which I think it's wrong of Gabby Moreno, even if they try to say this was the right move. Castellanos does have a cannon in right field, and you are taught, after a base hit like that, force the cutoff. If you have two outs and you round first base hard, the first baseman cuts it off and throws it to the second baseman, who's covering first, actually, or the shortstop who's covering second. Have I ever gone over that? That's like, that might be crazy, and I, I do this. For those of you that know the game, I know you know this. I know that. But I, I, there are people that might be watching WTSMTV.com for the first time. There are people that are listening to Doug Franz Unplugged, presented by Whirlwind Golf Club at Wild Horse Pass for the first time, and I want them to love the game like I do. So you practice this like crazy. There's all these rotations, okay? Base hit to left field with a runner in scoring position. The third baseman is the cutoff. So the third baseman lines himself up between the catcher and the outfielder so the outfielder knows, throw it as hard as I can, head high, of my cutoff guy. And if he doesn't cut it off, it'll go right through his head in a sense, and it'll be in line with the plate. And if he does cut it off, he's doing it to get somebody else out on the bases. Anywhere else in the outfield, basically from left center over, it's the first baseman's cut. And if there's a poten- if it's just a single, a regular base hit, shortstop covers second, second baseman covers first. So by rounding first base, you are forcing the cut because they want to get an out and end the inning, but that allows the runner to score. So it's almost like a distraction. Hey, look at me. Don't throw out the guy at the plate. Get me. Get me. So it's kind of a bait and switch tactic, okay? That's a good base running tactic. If you've got me running, okay, that's Corbin Carroll with two outs. Corbin, with two outs, you don't have to worry about being doubled off. As soon as you hear or see the ball get struck, you don't watch. I wonder where the ball went. The only thing you're worried about as a a runner is don't let it hit me. That's really it. Don't let it hit me. Other than that, you're gone. You're taking off for home right now. Yes, from second base. So, therefore, with his speed and two outs, I realized it was a reasonably hard-hit ball. It got to Castellanos fast, and Castellanos has a very an incredible arm. But with Corbin Carroll's speed with two outs, we don't need you rounding first to create the distraction. That's now the official hand wave of distractions. That's also Kansas waving the wheat, if you're wondering. You know, when you rock, chalk, jay, okay. I've lived in a lot of places, been to a lot of different sporting events. You pick up a lot of things, you know, like roll time. You know, you just you just, you can just come out. Sorry, Jeff Weir production that that was in there. Um, so then that's the end of that inning. So now the Diamondbacks go from two one down to taking a three to two lead. Boy, do you need insurance? There's a great phrase in baseball when you're down by two. We just need a bloop and a blast. Uh, we need a bloop and a blast. That's good. But when you're down by one. Any team with a kind of offense, especially the Phillies' firepower, they never feel like they're out of a game when you're down by one. So a 3-2 to two lead is small. And then coming up in the seventh inning, 
Again, Corbin does it. Perdomo went two for three. He was 0 for 1 with a sacrifice when he came up to the plate in the seventh inning. He's going up against Alvarado, one of their best relievers. And after a ground out from Rivera, uh, Perdomo gets a single. Cattell Marte is up at the plate, and he gets a double that moves Perdomo to third. So now you got runners on second and third. What I love about the Corbin Carroll at bat is he tried to get a base hit, you know, was trying to make it work, and then it just wa- it just wasn't working. So therefore, without it working, he takes a look, and he, it's called shortening up your swing. What can I do just to get this uh, ball into the outfield to be able to turn it into something? So once he got two strikes on him, he shortens up and figures out a way to just lift the pitch, get the bat on the ball, and have a productive at-bat. And the rookie, at 23 years old, knocks in his second RBI. Third with one out. Well, the batter's going to be Corbin Carroll. This will be lefty on lefty. In the air to right field. Should be deep enough. Perdomo tags. Castellanos the catch. And Perdomo will score. And Corbin Carroll, it's his game in Game 7. His second RBI makes it 4-2 Arizona. 3 for 4. Two RBIs, two stolen bases as a 23-year-old rookie in a road Game 7. That was Corbin Carroll. In case you didn't know, no rookie in baseball history has ever had two stolen bases and two RBIs in a game seven. <laughs> and we've got him for nine more years. <laughs> what a contract. Who in the world has ever signed somebody to a $100 million contract before he's ever played a major league baseball game? And it was a steal. It was a steal. We saved so much money getting Corbin Carroll to sign that contract. It's stealing compared to what he would have made if we tried to sign him now. Wow. Then um, we're not, we don't have all of these highlights, but just to tell you, bottom of the eighth inning, Bohm, Stott, and Real Muto. Granted, not the heart of the order, but who cares? Strikeout, strikeout, strikeout. Kevin Ginkle strikes out the side. Seawald comes in. They go one, two, three with measly fly. The uh, the second fly out from Brandon Marsh was reasonably deep to left field, but two measly fly outs to right field, and the Arizona Diamondbacks are champions of the world. It's just incre- It's just crazy. We have a ton of Corbin Carroll sound, but... I, I hate it for Jeff Weir Production. He did all this work on Corbin Carroll. There's just one problem. I love Corbin Carroll, and he's the most boring human being in the world when being interviewed in a mass setting. He can be really interesting if it's one-on-one and you have time for deep probing questions because he really cares about his answers, and he'll think about it. And He's a fascinating dude one-on-one. In a group setting, it's just boring cliches and no real life so i hate to say this to you You can thanks for all your work jeff you can throw all the corbin carroll in the trash but let's go through the tories and let's just go through them uh one by one here's tory's initial feelings about being the champions of the national league 
Um, yeah, first of all, before I answer the question, um, I just want to say, um, you know, it was an unbelievable NLCS. Uh, I want to obviously congratulate the Philadelphia Phillies on their success this season. Um, they're, they have a great general manager. They've got a great manager. And it was it was our honor to come and, and compete against them. Um, but yeah, there's a lot of emotion. You know, you you're trying to compartmentalize things. You 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 don't really know what's happening outside of um, the thought of getting three outs. That's all that I was focusing on. And we got to two outs. I felt like uh, Paul was in total control of that. I let my that last at bat. I let my mind wander for about 15 seconds in between pitches, and thought <clears throat> we're really close to doing something really special um, for the entire state of Arizona for for this organization um, that's had a lot of hardships over the past um, you know 36 48 months for us to be where we are right now it was it was a good moment and I, I allowed myself to go there I try not to because it's a dangerous thought because you can be let down emotionally <clears throat> but when it finally happened and I saw the fly ball go up it was a pretty euphoric feeling we're adrenaline junkies you know, it's in and out of that of, of that moment. And when it hits a high and you feel it, it's a flush through your body and it gets no better. Mm. That was classy at, at, at the beginning to start there. That was classy. Now, he immediately moves into a little fun. The national story, Steve McCullough was talking about this yesterday on the main event. The national story is what's going to happen with Chris Mad Dog Russo. Uh, I think... If you're a hardcore sports fan, you know this, but there's a lot of you that don't know the the iterations. The be true beginning of real sports talk radio is from a show called Mike and the Mad Dog, in which Mike Francesa and Chris Mad Dog Russo did a show together on WFAN The Fan in New York. The Fan started as this small, low-wattage station, and they hired a bunch of like really well-known TV sports hosts to talk sports. And like Jim Nance, for an example, I don't remember if he was on there. I think he was actually. But it was bad, bad radio because it was all sugar-coated. Just a bunch of nice guys, and they would tell some stories and talk a little bit about, oh, shucks, that the Mets lost yesterday, blah, blah, blah. And what Mike and the Mad Dog did is they talk like New Yorkers, getting upset because they love their teams, going back and forth. But Francesa had more of the inside knowledge, and Chris Russo was more of the angry fan. And it worked magic. And for years and years and years. But then Francesa kind of started, you know, believing in himself too much. Mad Dog leaves, and Mike and the Mad Dog end, and Mad Dog bounces around, and now he's created a great niche for himself on MLB Network and on Stephen A. Smith's show, First Take. Well, he came out with a crazy opinion that says he's going to retire if the Diamondbacks win game six and seven. His point was this is ridiculous the way anybody is doubting the Phillies. And he was more being pro-Philly. He's not a Philly fan, but he was more being pro-Phillies about how good they are. And there's a little bit of East Coast bias here because, and I'll be the first one to say it, East Coast fans are a lot more diehard than West Coast fans. But you can't make the leap that the player for a West Coast team is soft. That's where the take gets bad. And so I, I, he didn't say it, but to me his opinion was there's no way a West Coast team can come into this environment in Philadelphia 
and win game six and game seven, let alone the fact you look at the two pitchers, Aaron Nola, who had the Diamondbacks number, and Ranger Suarez, who's given up one earned run in the entire postseason. You can see it's it's not a bad opinion that the Phillies are going to win game six, and there's no way they're going to lose both six and seven. But he went a little far and said he's going to retire if the Diamondbacks win game six and seven. So nobody knows what's really going to happen with Chris Russo. I mean, is, is the guy's career over? We don't know. Tori, what do you have to say about it? Uh, I just talked to JP about that. He said he's a good friend of his. And um, I told him, um, you, you got you to gotta follow through. I know he and Stephen A. Smith go back and forth with all these broken promises. Like somebody's got to follow through. And I know he probably worked his last day at the MLB Network, and we're taking um, applications over there in Arizona right now to work for the D-backs. We, we need good people. So um, I, it's it's good fun banter with he and I. He is a, he is a good man. Um, he's a friend. I consider him a friend of mine. And the last time I spoke to him on the air, he said, well, I'm, gonna, we're, I'm coming at you. We're going to keep coming at you and keep coming at you. He said, give it back to me when you feel like you can. So I am right now. <laughs> Just to be blunt here, I I am not going to judge the entire man's integrity by whether or not he continues forward. If he does retire, um, I admit, I think that that's pretty classy. But there is a point where you cut off your nose to spite your face. You know what I mean? I mean... It's just that this is a man's livelihood. It doesn't matter that he's wealthy. It matters that there's a passion there to live and to lose your job, even if you're the one firing yourself over that, as opposed to just recanting and saying you were acting like an idiot and, uh, and, you, and you hope to be forgiven by Diamondbacks fans and you'd like to keep your job. I would say stay on, but I, I know the public does not feel that way. The public would never feel that way. I, I'm kind of one where... Uh, I, I've said some things doing a job like this. Like what? I've done some things where I feel like, why? Why did I just do that? Okay, I had one a couple weeks ago. So I, I, I feel for Mad Dog a little bit. Not too much. Big mouth guy, you step in it sometimes, but that's how you could describe me too. So I'm a little more uh, sympathetic. Well, he's fun to listen to too. Yeah, exactly. He's a good radio personality. But I got to tell you, is if you think about it, if you're a Diamondbacks fan, as soon as this game ended, Jeff, we were production, you're thinking Diamondbacks, you're thinking World Series, okay? Mm -hmm. If you're a Rangers fan, you're probably thinking, okay, we've got the World Series. Everybody's been doubting the Diamondbacks. I'm sure Rangers fans are too. But And Philly fan is only worried about Philly. But in every other city in America, I think they're all thinking of Mad Dog. I, I think almost every city in America is thinking – What's going to happen to Chris Mad Dog Russo? So aren't you wet, ready to pay attention to the first words out of Mad Dog's mouth about what his career is going to be? Now, it would be funny if he sent out a tweet from Oahu and said, well, I, I've been forced into retirement. Goodbye. Cheers, fellas. <laughs> Cheers. With a little umbrella in his drink and he's done. That is funny, too. He might have had this all planned out yeah, from the beginning. That's true. That's true. That is that is kind of funny, too. All right, let's get back to Tori. Um, give us – Tori, just kind of the give us a game plan of 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 what we what we saw and what we're seeing from this team. We are gonna um, stay here tonight and then fly straight to Texas. Um, give the boys a day off tomorrow and then start working out on Thursday. Right? Do I have those days right? Today's Tuesday. Yep. So that that's the plan. So yeah, instead we're gonna make a left at Oklahoma and head straight south to to Dallas.
love the plan if you think about it. Who who's going to want to get up after partying? You know, Tuesday night. You're not going to want to do that. Let let the guys sleep in. And then if you sleep in and you fly out Wednesday afternoon, do you really want to go to Phoenix Wednesday afternoon and fly to Dallas Wednesday night? No. You have a workout in Dallas on Thursday that's mandated by Major League Baseball, but you also want to take it to get used to the park. So then you'd have to fly. That's a mess. So instead, they fly on to Dallas today. So they're going to get up late. It's nine. It's uh, 10 o'clock in the morning right now. Um, oh, by the way, uh, I just looked over at my other television here, and Mad Dog is talking on his Sirius XM show. So uh, uh, this is kind of funny. I don't know what he said. I'll try to get you the latest, and if you already know it, you can you could tweet it to me, but we'll see what happens. But uh, anyway, so the situation is get there late today and let the guys go out to dinner somewhere. Uh, Arlington, it's a very weird spot in the world. Arlington is basically due middle between Dallas and Fort Worth in the Metroplex. And at Arlington, right now, there's like three stadiums. There's the old Ranger Stadium that only lasted about 20 years. Then there's the new Globe Life Stadium. And then there's the monstrosity of the Jerry Dome. And you've got all of this in this town of, of like there's a Home Depot or a Lowe's, I forget which one, that's just simply right there. I just looked over at Mad Dog, and he's now running the camera on first take, acting like that's his job. But I can look at the base. It's a robotic camera, so they don't even have a cameraman running it. So he's here, and uh, I'll try to get you what he does. That's kind of funny. Uh, again, I don't want him to retire. He, I think he's good for the world. Anyway, then they have a workout on Thursday. Go through that workout to get used to Globe Life Stadium, understand what they're going up against, and get ready for the Rangers. So that's uh, that's their game plan as far as travel is concerned. Uh, let's talk about the Paul Seawald trade. What the Paul Seawald trade did, not only do you have a real-life closer, and it's proof to people in the analytics world you need a closer – it organizes the pen. You combine the organization of the pen, the roles for human beings, and the performance of Ryan Thompson. That changed this team, and that's a credit to Mike Hazen. And this is Tori Lovello talking about how bad the whole team was in August, but specifically the bullpen and how everything got rectified. Uh, to be totally honest, no, I thought that was that was that was the area of our of our team that needed a little bit of. <clears throat> A little bit of a bump, um, and you said mid-August, right? Or did you say mid-July? Mid-August, right? A little bit of a bump. We got guys, we got the pieces, but they hadn't yet shaped or formed, um, and it took a little time for us to understand what the new roles were and how people were going to be used. And I think once they got to that point where Paul was locking down that ninth, and we were filling it in with Kevin, and 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 at the time it was Kyle Nelson because. Um, um, uh, Andrew Saul Frank wasn't here yet, uh, and then we picked up Thompson. It just it was one thing after another that fell into the right place. And once they got their roles, they took off. And you know to come into this environment and and stand on a four to two lead, and we've done that several times down down the stretch, not just in the playoffs. You know you've got a very capable bullpen. So the pieces were in place, and they started to take it over from there. 
I'm, I'm doing a lot of deep dives. It's almost like I'm, I'm being weird. I'm, I'm diving into the deep end today and then coming out on the shallow end and going into something else. So I, I hope you think I'm doing a good job covering the team, giving you the emotions of the moment, but also giving you much deeper analysis. Uh, feel free to rip me or support me. Send me a tweet. Tell me how you think today's show is going. Uh, I look at this quote, and I think it's really important to tell you about what's happened. In the analytics world, they don't believe in a closer. Analytics says every out of all 27 are equal. Why, why does it matter? If you think about it and say and try to get your head around if Skynet is playing baseball, why would a computer care about out number one or out number 27? It's an out. You need 27 of them. What's the best matchup based on the averages of this pitcher versus this hitter? Set it up. Go forward. That's it. So therefore, if your best reliever, let's say the meat of the lineup comes up in the eighth inning. So when you, you take a look at, at the Phillies, you know the top three hitters, okay? You probably already know their lineup. Schwarber, Trey Turner, Bry, uh, Bryce Harper. That's one, two, three. If the meat of the lineup comes up in the seventh inning as it did, that's when you throw your best reliever. If the meat of the lineup comes up in the eighth inning, that's when you put in your best reliever. Why would you get beat? I'm thinking like them. Why would you get beat with your second or third best reliever? That's dumb. Why save your best reliever for the last inning when he might be facing the seventh, eighth, and ninth hitters? That's dumb. Get him out there now. Okay. I even understand the point analytically. I understand the point logically. But what is illogical is emotion. Emotion is always illogical. And no one understands. The calculator, the analytics dude, does not understand the emotions of the ninth inning. It is human nature and it is unavoidable for your entire organization, every single person. When they have a lead in the ninth inning to think the game is over, all we need is three more outs. The famous line of Yogi Berra, it's not over till it's over, okay? It means something. It's not over because it's not over. <laughs> you still need three more outs, but that's not how humans think. All of us say we've only got to get three more outs. And when the bullpen blows it in the ninth, an entire city is let down. The team walks off the field thinking, I got a base hit today. I made a play in the field. I did my job, and the guy in the bullpen blew it. And it just weighs on you, and you carry it to the next game. You might lose tomorrow because of what the guy did yesterday in the ninth inning. Is it the right thing? No, of course it shouldn't be like that. Be a professional. Do your job on Tuesday just because Monday ended poorly. Do your job. That's not the way humans are. Closers bring balance to the force. So you've got to have a ninth-inning guy that handles the emotions of failure even more than success. And then there's the pressure of out 25, out 26, and out 27. That's hard to do. It's hard to get those outs. And maybe you put your best reliever in the eighth. Now your second best reliever just doesn't have it to get those out, 25, 26, and 27th out. So now you get the bullpen. And that's what matters with Tori Lovello of getting the order correct for the bullpen. 
you know, it, we were in and out of it so quickly in 17. We won that knockout game. I think that was a that was an emotional high. Um, and then, you know, we walked into a very tough Dodger team and they just washed us out. So it happened so quickly that I never really had a chance to enjoy the experience. Um, it's hard to describe what each day brings. Uh, and it's there's there's a newness to each day there's an excitement to each day and then there's a curiosity to each day and then when you walk in today for game seven there's there's an anxiousness and a nervousness that that takes over and it's unavoidable um <clears throat> but as i was watching the guys practice and and get into their day i started to feel a little bit more calm about where we were heading and i knew they were in a good spot but the days the days are are cloudy um, it's hard for me to separate days. It's hard for me to remember what happened two days ago versus what happened three days ago. I just know we've been on this quest as a group to go out and perform at the highest level possible. And we've been doing that with a certain energy. I know at the end of each day, I, I am emotionally and physically exhausted. Um, because of the investment. And I know that everybody's been sharing that same experience, but somehow, some way the next day we reload it, enjoy it and get to work. Deserved. Let's let's add to that. Okay, the next one from Tory is basically getting through the pain as he talked about 2017 and enjoying that, but the differences of now getting to the World Series, especially the way the format is. Think about how quick and on the go you are. You barely make it in. They back their way into the playoffs. The only reason why they're here is because you hate to say it but it's true the cubs and giants didn't want to be okay they just they fled the reds too they flamed out worse than the diamondbacks did so the diamondbacks barely get in so now you're going to milwaukee you have one day off on a monday at the end the season ends on sunday you get one day off on monday you're going to milwaukee your starting pitcher your ace gives up two runs in the first inning you're about ready to lose boom you come back, you win game one. But Merrill Kelly stinks. You lose game two. People like me are saying the series is over. You're going to lose to the Brewers. And Brandon Fott pitches great as a rookie, and you're able to pull off that upset. Okay. So what? Though? Now you're going to L.A. You're facing Clayton Kershaw. Very few people thought they were going to win that series. I like to brag that I did, but keep in mind, I said they were going to win in four games and doubted Brandon fought once again, and he was great in game three, and they end up sweeping the Dodgers. But that's so quick. It's boom. You get to L.A. You got two games in L.A. You come here in a game, and now you finally get to breathe. You finally get to realize what you just did. And that's almost a negative. Because they were so go, 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 it was almost as if they were winning without thinking about it, pick going 5-1 and one in the first two, game, first two series. Now you go to Philly, and you go down 0-2, and you really embarrass yourselves. Don't, I, I'm not going to sugarcoat that game two loss. They embarrassed the, themselves in the way that they played. But that fuel got them. Uh, to me, it totally has everything to do with winning four of the last five and winning game six and seven on the road. And with all of that, there's that middle section. And when I say middle section, I don't mean in this series. I mean between 2017 and 2023. The year of COVID in 2020 when the Diamondbacks, to me, had a team that choked in 2019, and Mike Hazen said, no, we'll be fine. We're going to keep it together for 2020. Didn't believe how bad they were in 2020 and thought, no, it's, it's not this bad. It was a shortened season. That's why we didn't play well. We're going to come back with the same group of guys in 2021. And then that was a disaster. And they lose 110 games. 
Okay, 2021, it was a strange time for me, and I was lucky enough to be going to some games, kind of knowing the end was near for me as a talk show host. And I saw the pain in Tory every – I mean, think about all those pressers, all of those pressers after every loss. What's he going to say? We threw to the wrong base. We didn't take the ball to the other way. Bullpen blew a game. They were so terrible. Every game was a new way to lose baseball. That weighed on him so much. And now he's a National League champion. Tory, where are you on this roller coaster? I want to believe so. Um, I'm, I just try to be my true, authentic self every single day. And yeah, I have to lead the team and sometimes make some tough decisions and have tough, tough conversations. But I wouldn't trade one single piece of my career um, for how it went that led me to today. And trust me when I say there were some real hardships. There were some very dark days um, in my career. And you know, we lost 110 games two years ago. So for me to sit here and tell you that I wouldn't trade that in, if 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 you told me that I would have this, I'd be coming out the other side of it like this, I would understand why I was having to go through that. I've learned so much about myself um, and you know the things that I really believe in and what I have to do every single day to keep um, remembering my own personal purpose and the path forward. It was a challenge. But like I said, I wouldn't trade it for one thing in the world because I've learned so much about what it takes to be the manager of the Arizona Diamondbacks, and I couldn't be more proud to, to be this, what I am. Let's go. <laughs> you know how I – if you've been listening to Doug Franz Unplugged, presented by Whirlwind Golf Club at Wild Horse Pass for any kind of time, you know how I feel about that exact statement. Oh, my gosh. I saw that man just unspeakable – work stress i know that there's an argument to be made wow the guy makes you know six figures low seven figures whatever it is i don't know how much tory makes and i can't imagine how that stress is doug i would like to go through that work stress with that kind of money i i know that i understand that point but really get your head around the fact that your entire group that you're in charge of is a failure everything around you is failing and it's your job to fix it and you can't you, the weight on that is huge. And then how do you handle that failure? That's going to determine the way people treat you, the way people handle the situation, the way people are around you. And it's every day it's going to be how people look at you for the rest of your life is based on how you handle those moments. And if you think about the failure that's around you in that moment, it becomes so consuming, I feel for you, and, and it's going to be hard for you to get out of it. But if there's any way that you can use Tory as an example for where you are in life to know there is hope on the other side, stay with it. Learn from today so you thrive tomorrow. It's easy for me. I'd like to be that role model for you too. I, I can't explain to you enough the grip of failure that I allowed to surround me. And I allowed it to change me. I did. At the, the end of the old show, there was failure everywhere. And I did not fight the failure with an all-inclusive spirit. I fought the failure as in... I know you're failing, I know you're failing, I know you're failing, so I'm going to go on my own. I'm going to do this stuff without you. 
I'm going to force things down everybody's throat knowing that I'm right instead of understanding. It doesn't matter if I'm right. Being combatively right doesn't help. And that's how I was. And now I stare failure in the face. I'm, you know, doing nothing for a month and a half, starting a podcast in which I'm screwing around, not taking it too seriously. And, and then this thing grew because of you. And then people like Mikey, people like Angel, people like CEO Chris, people like Sweet Lou continually say yes to me and invest in me. And I probably needed that failure and that humbleness to go through. And you look at Tori Lovello and say, yes, yes. If you are paying attention, I can understand if you're apathetic. If you just got sick of 2021, I'm done with this. I'm done with this team. I'm done with this organization. I moved to Phoenix as a fan of Team X. I'm glad I never gave them up, blah, blah, blah. I understand. It's hard to argue the Diamondbacks deserved any of your attention in 2021 but this is what i mean by going through the ups and downs as a fan and feeling this moment of the resolution and it's i i look at life the same way yes i yes i look at baseball as life that's where you can rip because i don't have a life other than my wife my kids and my god Uh, then it's then baseball's right baseball and beer are right there right there yes they are (laughs) um all right Tori, what'd you say to the guys on the plane getting back to Philly after the tough game five loss? You lose game five, you have a 27% chance of winning a series. Think about that. When you lose game five, 27% of the time you actually go on to win the series. That's how hard it is to come back from a game five loss. So what'd you say on the way to Philly? We on number seven, I'm sorry. Yes. Okay. You know, I, I was just trying to recalibrate things and make sure that the team knew that um, that we were coming here to play our best baseball, and that's that's been the messaging, and it's 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 been very consistent throughout the course of the year. Today is going to be our finest hour, um, and I just wanted to make sure that they knew that's how I felt because I know when I stand up here or sit up here, it's out of my mouth and in their hands on their phones, and I I believed it. I said it a couple times as I was kind of getting into the day and I, I got a chance to say it in front of you guys um, because I meant it. I meant that we were going to, we were going to reload, refocus. And, and even though it was a tough loss in game five, we still had a pulse. And when you stay connected the way we have been, um, you, you might need subtle reminders, but there are opportunities to kind of go out and do something and start a new day. And that was my mindset. Hmm. Mm. It, it mattered. And uh, I'm the guy, full disclosure, that so many times when Tori Lavello wanted to say, I'm proud of my team, I'm thinking positively, I still don't like that. But that does help when you get into a game six, game seven, coming back after your game five loss. That's those times where because you said what you used to say, it's genuine when you say it now after game five. I still hate it. I'm proud of you. I still hate it. But. There's a lot of things Tori's done this year that I didn't love, and who's the World Series manager, and who's geeking out, you know, uh, going to the World Series as a fan. Uh, Great job, Diamondbacks. Congratulations. Cheers. Three beer salute to you guys for getting to the World Series. Friday, Saturday in Texas. Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday at Chase Field. Wednesday is only if necessary in case the Diamondbacks sweep. 
We don't need Wednesday. Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, which puts a lot of stress on the Franz household. Can I get my wife to blow off rehearsal on Monday night so the family can go? Do we blow off Halloween, which is a fun night in the Franz household with friends coming over and handing out candy, and we're one of those neighborhood people that really care about Halloween? Or uh, do we blow off Mass on Wednesday? Wednesday night is a holy day of obligation in my religion, so uh, like, where, where are we at? I'm hoping Jennifer is the one that bends. Let's, hey, don't worry about the symphony, sweetie. We got the World Series here. I don't know if I'm going to win that argument. All right, coming up next. I hope you didn't mind an hour and 20 minutes of Diamondbacks today. We're going to the World Series. But, oh, by the way, we also beat the Warriors yesterday. Yeah. That's next on Doug Frog's Unplugged, presented by Whirlwind Golf Club at Wild Horse Pass on WTSMTV.com. That last at bat, I let my mind wander for about 15 seconds in between pitches and thought, <clears throat> we're really close to doing something really special. It's hot. We've had a pretty hot summer here in Arizona. Who can you trust with your air conditioning? There's only one place my family has ever trusted in Arizona, and that's Parker and Sons, heating, cooling, plumbing, and electrical. Call 602 to repair. That's 602, the number two, then R-E-P-A-I-R for Parker and Sons. And the reason why I suggest them to you I, as passionately as I possibly can is I know they've showed up on time to my home every time, and they've gotten it right the first time every time, and they've treated me fairly every time. What else can you say? Plus, they don't charge anything for nights, weekends, emergencies, that means something because when your air conditioner goes out in the summer in Arizona, that's an emergency. You need repairs fast and you can trust Parker and Sons. How do I know? Because my family does. 6022 repair. That's 602, the number two, then R E P A I R for Parker and Sons. Rosati Sports Pub in Chandler. It's on Ray and McQueen. Sounds like a sports bar. What's the difference? You walk in and they actually have games on TV with the sound on. How many times do you walk into a supposed sports bar and they've got loud music on or somebody playing live or some kind of trivia game going on and you're there to watch the game? If you're like me, a simple guy, give me my pizza, give me my wings, give me my cold beer and make sure I can hear the Suns and D-backs, then you want Rosati Sports Pub and Chandler. All members of the Unplugged Army, welcome. Rosati Sports Pub, give me the game. It's important. Oh, look at that. Just get a little fired up. Let's restart everything. <laughs> Just throw that in there to confuse everybody. Oh, I, I, uh, I get it. I get it. Um, I don't mean to say this. Tell me if, if, if you if you even remotely think, yeah, Doug, that's name dropping. It's it's arrogant. Let me. I think I still have this. Uh, somewhere on this thing i don't know if i still do uh do i have it i don't even know where it is who are you gonna name drop uh, i was there it is name drop. um i was texting tori lovello oh does that make me a jerk by saying hey i'm texting tori lovello i just told him okay you know what if i'm gonna bring it up i should bring it up i texted him just to say thanks for 2021 it's the year i got fired it's the year they lost 110 games and just, I told him, you're a role model for the city, and thanks. And I, now granted, can you imagine how many texts that guy has today? So he's probably going to text me back in a month. 
<laughs> yeah, after the series. Yeah, he'll text me back in like a month. No, because there'll be he. It'll be the World Series. He'll get through the World Series. Then there'll be a vacation or a <laughs> wallowing in pain. Then there'll be go away for a while, and then at some point around Thanksgiving, it'll be hey Doug, this is really nice of you. You know, <laughs> I'll get something then. Let's get to Suns. Suns a winner last night, 104, or excuse me, 108 to 104. It was strange because uh, Booker was so dominant in the first half that that went great. Then the third quarter was just obnoxious for how well the Warriors played in the third. And then the the Suns handled everything and, and their business after that. But here's what's really interesting about it is... I would look at the Suns, and I, I never thought I would say this. Granted, Golden State did not have Draymond Green, but the Suns didn't have Bradley Beal. I felt like the whole time the Suns are a better team. I, when's the last time you said that about a game against Golden State? Game one regular season, it's October. But I felt like that watching that game, and Booker was fantastic. Absolutely fantastic. Here is Let's go with KD1, if you would. Here is Kevin Durant talking about just how good Devin Booker was playing point book. It was incredible. He started off just flaming hot, uh, 15 points in the first quarter, and just got us going. Just kept us there the whole night. You know, We're going to need that from him all season. Uh, running the offense, making the great plays late, making those three assists late. You know, we're going to need that going forward. So it's a good first win. And, you know, I didn't shoot the ball particularly well. EG got some great shots. He didn't shoot as well as he wanted to, but our defense held us down and we was able to get the, get the win. You know what I've noticed before you get on? Yeah. Katie doesn't hold the microphone anymore. Everything since this new season has started, every wow. presser I've seen, he's not holding the mic. I, I noticed that just now, but I didn't notice it before, to be honest. Uh, for those of you who don't know what Jeff Weir Productions is referring to, it's always funny. Whenever uh, KD has sat down, he's always unwrapped the microphone, taken it off the stand, and then he leans way back. And you can see the difference in my voice right now. See how you don't hear it very well? I was only a foot away from the microphone just now. And he likes to lean back in his chair, so I'm wondering if it's a chair situation. Let's see when he gets into a Suns presser if he does the same thing because then he can lean back in his chair and be uh, more comfortable. Booker, 15 points in the first quarter. The first quarter ends in a 28-28 tie, but it's all Book all the time. And then the Suns destroy Golden State in the second and the Warriors come right back out in the third and do the same thing. So it's a pretty close game. Uh, and Suns are trailing in the fourth, and the Suns outscore the Warriors 28-18. to 18. Think about that. Clutch team, Steph Curry, his building. They score 18 points in the fourth quarter. That is really strong. And Booker was amazing. Taking over offense – that was some kind of weird hiccup. Taking over offensively in the first quarter, and then you heard KD mention those three big assists at the end of the game. Two of them were in the final minute going up against, I forget who was guarding him, but he finds a Kogi in the corner who crushes a three, and then on the next play down, they they spread the floor and they uh, they make sure they guard the three. And Nurkic makes a hard rim run on a screen roll. Booker finds him and Nurkic gets the layup. So Booker does it with his own shot in the first 
and then dishing in the fourth. Vogel, what'd you think of uh, Point Book? It's a good start to, to a new phase of his career, you know, where he's going to be the primary ball handler. You know, I think he's he's really embraced um, taking the leadership role on this team, you know, playing more traditional point point uh, point guard where he can, you know, he's a, he's a threat to, to go into kill mode at any point. And, um, you know, he has the, the savvy to read defenses and, and pick them apart with the pass, which was uh, the beauty of this game. I mean, you know, there's a, a lot of positives from this game, but that was probably the biggest one. Um, what I love about that is just how kind of matter of fact Frank Vogel was. It was just, hey, yeah, it's the new start of his career, new point in his career. He's able to do this. He's able to do this. You know, uh, he's going to need to do. I was just, just so much, uh, almost as if to say, why, why should we be overwhelmed by this? This is Devin Booker. He's a great player. He's a, a. He didn't say it, but he's like he's a Hall of Famer. Why? Why should we act shocked by this? I really like that. Um, Book, what do you take about, first of all, the beginning of the game? 15 points first quarter. What was going on there to get you going early? You know, I was tired as hell. It was the first game, and, you know, I have been out for over a week now with the toe, so this is my first time getting back on the court, going up and down. So that first wind was tough, but, you know, that, that'll build through, through, through the season, and, you know, we'll figure out spacing, and, you know, I won't be turning six times a game just to piggyback a little bit off that how when the, when the game's on the line like that how do you determine when to be aggressive and look for your shot and and dish like you did uh i think they're just reads um you know honestly i was being aggressive um those last two passes to nurk and jo were supposed to be shots first uh, i rose up and the defender came and you know i made the play after that um but like I said, credit those guys for being in the right spot. Um, they understand the spacing. You know, Nurk knew he could catch it and drive and get an easy layup. And J.O., you know, was amazing tonight. Not just that three, just all over the all over the offensive boards, getting us extra possessions and extra looks that we needed. Full disclosure, that was clearly me labeling sound after three beers in, in 90 seconds. <laughs> that. I had no. I, I labeled that uh, as fast start because I was wanted him talking about getting off for the fifteen points, and then instead he's talking about dishing the ball. So he's talking about Jo. Blah blah. blah. It's kind of funny. Josh Kogi was listed as only having four offensive rebounds. I think that's bad stat keeping because they weren't giving him credit for keeping a ball alive to himself or giving it a team rebound and not specifically to him. But he was incredible. It was cool that Book threw that out there and talking about his own win. Uh, this one, if I labeled it right, uh, I love this because he was Booker was asked about how CP3 has taught him about being a point guard. Uh, so many ways, um, not just one, but obviously he, you know, is one of the best players, if not at manipulating the game and, and situations and reading the game and knowing what's going to happen before each possession. So, you know, he just, he, he's viewed the game for a very long time in a different spot. And, you know, he was somebody that I could be a sponge to for a very long time. And still to today, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll ask him anything because, you know, I've been in the league for a long time now. Not a lot of people care about it as much as he did, as much as he does. So. You know, I love being around those type of people where, you know, the focus is there, the commitment's there, and, 
was in year, year 19, still doing it. So, you know, very impressive. Chris Paul watches basketball all night long when he's not playing basketball, college pro, and then every time there's a scenario that he thinks someone can learn from, he texts everybody on the team to tell them about what happened last night and the film team cuts up the play and then the organization goes over what happened. That's a Chris Paul directive. That's the kind of leadership you have from Chris Paul and look how – much better Devin Booker is from when he was forced to play point guard early in his career. The last one from Book is just knowing where everybody is on the floor, using everybody, especially late in the game, having full confidence in everybody, but also being able to look for his own shot. You know, trust building with the team. I mean, you know, this is game one, and you know, we understand that. You know, we have the depth, we have the talent all the way around, and you know, just using that. You know, I had it going in the first half, and we knew that they're going to throw some different type of defense at us. And, you know, they did that down the stretch. And credit J.O., credit E.G., Nurk for, you know, finishing those plays. But, you know, this, this is a good good win for us. You know, I think, you know, a test like that the first game, how we can see the, the energy sway and, you know, the game go back and forth and then tighten it up down the stretch to get a win. It was big for us. I don't want to go crazy about win number one of the year, but the fact that it's the Warriors, the fact that you're in their building, the fact that you blow a lead and you're down in the third quarter and you have that comeback in their house in the fourth quarter for a team that is building chemistry. Like, listen to Kevin Durant for a second, and and you can see this one, it really did mean something because you're getting the ball to Gordon, you're getting the ball to Okogie, you're getting the ball to Nurkic. So many other people were involved in this win. Yeah, it was going to be huge. I like the trust that we had in them and we're making that pass, making those reads and those guys knocked it down. You know, we talk about it every day. It's just being ready and being prepared when that ball comes to you to make a, make a play. And those guys came out there and made big shots. EG, after missing some open ones, some layups, some shots that he normally makes, he came down and hit that huge three right there. So, and then Nurk with the finish as well. It was a, it was a, it was a great game. I think defensively we, we was, uh, we was able to get stops. It was 100 to 99, and we we didn't let them get the lead again. So um, our defense was on point. To where he's going, the defense being on point, keep in mind they've got a 15-point lead at halftime, and they had 61 points. 61 points by the end of the first half with a 15-point lead. So think about that. Just put that math in your head for a minute. 61 points total in the first half, 15-point lead. At the 610 mark of the, at the 649 mark, I should say, of the third quarter. So you've only played about five and a half minutes of basketball in the second half. You were up by 15. You scored three points. You're only up by one. It's 64 63 in five minutes. That's what happened. And yet it's the trust of everybody. And it's only game one. You haven't even developed your rotations yet. That's awesome. Nice win. Nice win for uh, for the Suns. Congratulations to them. Uh, they play Thursday night now at L.A. before they finally uh, come home after the first two games being on the road. All right, coming up next, we got versus Vegas. What's Steve McCollum's thought on going to a World Series with the Arizona Diamondbacks? What's coming up on the main event and his big takeaways from this postseason? Talk to him next. This is Doug Frouds Unplugged. Presented by Whirlwind Golf Club at Wild Horse Pass on WTSMTV.com.
Burrito Express started with my father about 25 years ago. He got laid off and decided that he needed to do something to provide for his family. My brother and I were older teens, 17, 18 year old. I'm going to do a trial out of my house. So literally we decided we're going to start out of his house. So we delivered uh, menus in a square mile area, literally started delivering burritos out of our home in Mesa, Arizona. And after about a month, he said, let's do this. Went and found his first location. And believe it or not, that's how it started. We started with one location back in 1995. Now we're where we are now. It's big, it's juicy, it's meaty. Get your burrito at Burrito Express. If you're having a hangover, a bad day, even a good day, still get your burrito at Burrito Express. It will make you feel better. Okay, one of the major things trending in America today, in America is the fact that Chris Mad Dog Russo is on right now. I, I Listen, I haven't had time to know anything that's going on in Mad Dog's life, but he is on first take today. And Steve McCollum brought this up with Dale Hellestray yesterday on the main event about the comment that Mad Dog said that he's going to retire because there's no – if the Diamondbacks – go on to the World Series because there's no way they're winning in Philly in game six and seven. If you could update me on yeah, that, Steve, it, what's what's the life and times of Chris Russo? It was right even now? worse than that. He said before that that Diamondbacks were they weren't even going back. They weren't going back to Philly, period. It was going to be a sweep. Which by the way, you can't fault him after game one and two. Philly <laughs> yeah, was dang good. That's fair. So that's you fair. know you gotta, you gotta be fair on that side. Yeah. No, I tweeted at him last night and said don't be a chicken sh- you know, go ahead and enjoy your retirement. But look, uh, you know what sets Chris Russo, Stephen A. Smith apart from like guys like you and me? Is they just say stupid stuff all the time like that, and then they just act like they didn't say it afterwards, right? And they don't I, I, actually I, I was going to say money. That, well, that's well that, they get to that point, though, because <laughs> yes. uh, I'm just going to do it now. I'm yeah. going to do it right now on your program, Doug. I'm going to do it right now. If the Diamondbacks don't sweep the World Series, I'm retiring. Oh, okay. Well. Yeah, yeah. Um, now. Well, <laughs> and, and then the crowd applauds. Here's uh, what's crazy. And it, then when it doesn't happen, you know, you just go with it. Because, you know, that's the thing. It's all about ratings. Look, look how big are first takes ratings going to be today? Yeah, how absolutely. How big is this Sirius XM thing going to be today? Nobody cares about Chris Russo. Yeah, uh, yeah. You know, I heard you guys saying you guys like him and stuff. Like, I just I can't stand that yelling fan, you know, New York fan fandom deal. But I, I actually don't like <laughs> – I actually don't like Chris Mad Dog Russo. Because, oh, dear God, he gets into the weeds. Like, nobody gives a crap who the shortstop, what shortstop play made in the third inning of the 1944 World Series. But he will tell you all about that play. And it drives me nuts. Well, I uh, as I go into Chris Mad Dog Russo yelling. Yes. Mode. Well, here's what's funny is you're 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 yelling about a guy because you don't like it because he yells, and no. you're yelling at somebody who yeah. goes into the weeds like That's, me. So I'm like, hey, all right. That was the, that was the whole point there. But uh, no, I mean you can yell, get passionate about stuff. He just does it all, about stuff that just nobody cares. That's about. fair. That's fair. I, uh, <laughs> I I admit I was wondering what he was going to. Uh, oh no, he's playing it up today. as a joke. I watched some of it. He's playing it up as a joke, rightfully so. But anybody that thought he was going to retire get out unless he had already put in his retirement paperwork then it's funny and he knew he was leaving like you know last week i said something ridiculous and i go this isn't true i'm off i'm gonna i'm gonna get myself off on wednesday knowing that i was taking wednesday off anyway Uh, other than that it's just you know it's just for the ratings and stuff and it's you know it's what we do here right we say uh, outrageous stuff to send points home and uh you know it's it's dumb though i uh I never say something I don't mean unless I was poking wolf. 
I admit. There were plenty of times where I would say something knowing he would go off. Yeah. But I, I hope I I everybody jail, knew yeah. I was being totally sarcastic yeah. and people read, I'm just trying to get Wolf's goat. Yeah. That's different when I was legitimately arguing because I had a different opinion from a guy that's played well, sports. There's arguing and then there's just saying dumb things like, I'll retire if they do yeah, it. Because, yeah, yeah, yeah. I yeah. mean, you know. Now, back to your Diamondbacks point. I, I Listen, I... I said Brewers in 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 yeah. in three. Most people did. Uh, got that wrong. I actually I didn't predict a sweep. I said beat the Dodgers in four. But I admit openly that was more of a slam on the Dodgers. Yeah. I just think that their choke artist Dave Roberts isn't that great. That was a slam on them. They always losing that round. Yeah, and I do like the Diamondbacks in that one. I had no doubt in my mind that the Phillies were going to win in five or six games uh, in this series. Well, and and hey, I've been shocked, but, total shock that we're here. But I look, Steve. I actually think the Diamondbacks are now winning the World Series. Okay. I think uh, we're I think we're beating the Rangers. I, I, I'm glad you hit that up. But before you get to that, look, yeah. anybody like I took a lot of crap last night from longtime listeners that are like Steve's just uh, hates the Diamondbacks. Dude, Phillies were the hottest team in baseball. Yes, yes. Did you watch Game One and Two? Yes. If you think the Diamondbacks were legitimately winning that series and winning it on two in a row in, in Philly. <laughs> yeah. You're lying. Yeah. I got news for you. If you're yeah. singing home right now, you're lying to yourself. Yeah. Or you're you're just a homer, which is fine. Be a homer. But look, nobody after watching those first two, they shut down Nick Cassianos after that first inning, first home run. Yeah. Oh, for 22 in the series. Yeah. Yeah. Nobody shut down Cassianos. Bryce Harper was a shell of himself with pitchers that weren't pitching very well as starters. Yeah. So it's shocking. But my favorite part about this happens, right? This happened in 2001. Uh, I actually was traveling a lot back then, and I was around a lot of New Yorkers. And the second the D-backs made that World Series, every New Yorker was like, D-backs, nobody knows who they are. We're winning this thing easy. Yeah, Woo! Yeah, yeah. It's what happens, right? So I agree with you. You look at this Rangers team. I'm not hot on this Rangers team. They have Gar- – look, if Tori Lovello pitches to Garcia <laughs> one time – I'm going to lose my mind because that guy is just an RBI machine. Walking with the bases loaded yeah, like uh, Buck Showalter did with Barry Bonds. <laughs> I don't care. Time. I don't care if you're up one run, the bases are loaded, it's the ninth inning, and you can't get – you walk that guy because otherwise he's going to hit a four-run, you know, a grand slam. <laughs> uh, but uh, look, this, the, the, this, shockingly enough, this is going to come down to pitching. Mm-hmm. Rangers bullpen is terrible. Their starters will have fits as well. You know, Max Scherzer's in his second series back now. He should be better. Yeah, I agree. But then on the other side, Diamondbacks starting pitching. You know, the two aces, well, at least Gallon, not hot. Uh, but Kelly and Fada doing fantastic. And the bullpen's on fire. It's going to come down to pitching in this series. I agree with you. Your initial reaction is, and not because we're Diamondbacks. I'm a Diamondbacks fan. My initial reaction is because I don't think the Rangers are that great. Yeah. These are two teams that shouldn't be here. I think that's what makes this World Series fascinating. Is both Great teams point. sucked two years ago, right? 100 lost wins. Neither team has picked to be here. The Rangers led their division all year and sucked at the end and, and lost it to the Astros. Diamondbacks were 16 games up and then just whatever. <laughs> Neither of these teams are supposed to be here. And they're both here. This is fascinating to me. Bruce Bochy, though, this is what worries me. Bruce Bochy is the better manager, and it's not even close. Say what you want about Dory Lovello. Bruce Bochy blows him out of the water in terms of managing. Yeah. yeah. And that worries me in this series uh, because Bruce Bochy still will go with his gut. He, he listens to analytics, but he will go with his gut. Tory, and it's a perfect example, Tory muzzled the Diamondbacks for the first five games. 
Let him run free on six and seven, and look what happens. Yep, I totally agree with that. And that's what worries me the most is this is the first time we're looking at a manager that's better than Tory Lovello in these playoffs, and that's something to think about and worry about. Here's why it doesn't worry me, although you're exactly right, especially when you talk about the muzzle. I like that term, the muzzling of the team. Since the I hate the designated hitter, and since the DH has been given to everybody, mm-hmm. I think it's minimized managers that they're more. It's more of a psychological thing. So you you manage poorly before game one, putting the clamps on Corbin Carroll in the run game. That's true. But when it comes to the in-game decisions, I, I still hate I will never give up on pulling Merrill Kelly big. No, you're, and you're, you're not but wrong on that. Yeah. It's not as bad when you lose the DH aspect of real managing. No. That doesn't mean Bruce Bochy isn't better, yeah. but the gap isn't as bad as it would have been like five years ago when you actually have to manage in games when you have, a, I, when you have a, no DH. I don't disagree, but Bruce, Bruce Bochy's bullpen is trash. Yeah. If you don't know the Rangers' bullpen, it is garbage. Yeah. And look where they are with a garbage. You think the Diamondbacks' bullpen was terrible during this yeah. season? Holy cow, you have seen nothing with this Rangers' bullpen. And it still continues today. It's a, the other reason why it's a fascinating series is, to your point, you've got the bullpen for the Diamondbacks, which is lights out, but mm. you've got their Texas offense, which is really good. good. I think it's better than the Phillies if you're going one through nine. Certainly not better just at the top, yeah. but one through nine. This is going to be great. All right, have a good show. Yep, see you. It's time for Versus why didn't I just stick with the D-backs? <laughs> Total bet with my heart yesterday. And listen, I would have never done it. I would have never bet on the Diamondbacks if I was a real-life gambler who lived it and was betting $100, $500, $1,000. You bet 5 bucks saying, go D-backs. It's all right. And the D-backs win. And I did it on the money line. I got plus 140. Pretty happy about that. Problem was, I also... Ah, I went with Ottawa over um, uh, Buffalo. And the Sabres smacked me in the face 6-4. to four, So I only went 1-1 one one yesterday. That stinks. That stinks. But hey, the D-backs won. What's it matter? What does it matter? Go D-backs. All right, today... This, here's some interesting prop bets I got for you. I should wait until Friday for this. I'll go over prop bets on Friday. I think that would be interesting. But I'm going to do two of them now as part as versus Vegas, even though we won't know how it's going to end up. I'm saying it. Right now, the Rangers are favored. The latest line I saw is the Diamondbacks plus 140. If you don't know gambling, what it means is when you see the plus, it means if you bet 100... You win whatever the plus total is. So right now, if you bet, uh, for me, it's bid a dollar. <laughs> if you bet a dollar, you win a dollar forty. If the Diamondbacks win, so you get forty extra cents. Okay, I like that. I think the Diamondbacks are beating the Rangers. So I'm gonna say I'm gonna take the Diamondbacks overall in the series. Then on some of the prop bets, one of the prop bets is. Who has the most stolen bases when the series is over? You can imagine everybody's running to Corbin Carroll. I'm going to go out on a limb to, to add more risk to it so you get a better return. At plus 900 is Gerardo Perdomo as having the most stolen bases. 
I'm a little worried about the sack bunts. Okay, I don't want sacrifice bunts from Perdomo. Get on base so you can steal bases. But I'm going to kind of be a little funny on that one because it could easily be Corbin Carroll. Also, watch out for a sneaky bet on Christian Walker because they might, the Rangers might be all in, up in Corbin Carroll's business. But Christian Walker didn't get on base a lot and they still made it to the World Series. He might be a little bit more relaxed in Texas. You might see him on base and pitchers don't pay attention to Christian Walker, but I'm going to take Perdomo. And then my actual only one for today that I like is I like the Capitals plus one and a half against New Jersey. So uh, the Caps had a – everybody played yesterday in the NHL, but the Caps had a shorter distance to travel. New Jersey's good, but uh, I don't think Washington's such a disaster that they can't keep it close. So I'll take Washington with the uh, with the goals uh, against the Devils. I can't thank you enough for today. Um, just because of how much – it means to me that you've been through the wars with me on Doug Franz Unplugged. For those of you that have been longtime members of the Unplugged Army, thank you very much. I'm going to uh, I'm going to try to announce a watch party for Friday, and uh, I want I'm going to uh, I'll just tell you I'm going to Hundred Mile Brew today in Tempe, and hopefully get everything situated with them. And if it does get situated, let's go there and watch the game on Friday. I admit I already booked my Friday tea time. <laughs> so it's I got to get golf done, get home, shower, and then get there for a game five game and drive through rush hour traffic or game one at a five o'clock game. But hey, you know, that's what we do. But I'm just so excited. And I got one of the greatest texts I've ever gotten yesterday as Mikey of Bell's Nashville Kitchen told me that being a part of this show and remember bell's national kitchen rosati's first ever sponsors of doug franz unplugged if i've never told you the story mikey never contacted me the whole time i was doug from doug and wolf never never knew the guy at all but he just really appreciated me waking up every morning and and waking him up and doing the old show that he just wanted to support me in this new endeavor and it was incredible to have somebody it's it's like a gift from god where you just suddenly have somebody say i don't know you but i want to help and that helped start doug franz unplugged he texted me yesterday saying i i made him a diamondbacks fan i made him a baseball fan again that he had just gotten kind of sour on the sport and basically two and a half years of me explaining the game and it's stuff he knew but just hearing like it's weird when you explain something to somebody who already understands it and Mikey understood it, but just hearing the passion of what I love the game and him getting here, and now that we're here, and now his wife loves the game, and I, if there's any way I share, my joy is imparted into you and you've shared it with other people. I know that sounds like a cheesy thing on life, but that's really how I feel about baseball. If you end up loving baseball, it's, it's something with your soul. And now our team is in the World Series. When's the last time we had a real parade? I mean, really think about this. A parade. 2001? And we could have a parade? And don't sleep on the Suns. We could have two parades. All right? We could have two parades in seven months. 
feel it in this town, baby. Just feel it. It's just so cool right now. To have, to, we're in the freaking World Series. All right. Sorry, I'm starting to lose my mind a little bit at the uh, at the end of the show. Thanks to Bell's Nashville Kitchen and Rosati's, the first ever sponsors of Doug Franz Unplugged. Then Burrito Express. If you didn't hear what Burrito Express is doing, since it's been since 2001 that we made it to the World Series, they're having an incredible special on their burritos. So follow at Burrito EXP to find out all the details on amazing savings at Burrito Express to honor the Arizona Diamondbacks. It's really, really cool. And then Parker and Sons said, Doug, with what you're doing, we believe in you. We just want to say thank you for how you've supported us as a company. And they jumped on board. 6022 Repair. And then, oh my gosh, Sweet Lou just emailed me one day. Hey, I heard you talking about golf. I love Doug and Wolf. I want to get involved when you want to come over and play golf and talk about advertising. And all of a sudden, the Whirlwind Golf Club is the presenting sponsor. And they started a website for me, unplugged at whirlwind.com. And it's all come down to now a World Series team. Here we go. This is fantastic. The main event is up next. I'll see you tomorrow.